0: everyone, and welcome to the first of this very special series, the Toddler Milestone Moment Series, which is created in partnership with my friends at Baby Annabelle. Baby Annabelle is the UK's number one leading nurturing doll brand and is passionate about sharing the power of role play to support with toddler milestones. We've got four incredible episodes coming up, covering everything you need to know about toddler milestones. We've got you covered. We are going to be talking about sleep, nutrition, nursery, and siblings. A new one will be released every Monday through September. In this first episode, it is with Dr. Nekka Ikiogu. Dr. Nekka is a child and educational psychologist and the founder of Mellow Nest. And we are talking all things nursery. Is there anything more challenging than a toddler who doesn't want to go to nursery or who screams and clings to you at drop-off? I've been there and it is so hard. So in this episode, you're going to learn how to make sure starting or returning to nursery is happy and positive and exactly what to do and not do if it isn't We also discuss how doll play can support your toddler with this massive transition and exactly how to do it. So Dr. Necker shares some brilliantly practical tips and ideas to help you and your toddler with the nursery milestone. Before we get into the episode, I'm really excited to tell you that the lovely team at Baby Annabelle have gifted me to gift you an incredible package of their dolls and accessories worth over £300. So to enter the competition to win the package, just pop over to my Instagram at Zoe Blasky to enter. T's and C's apply. See website for more details. And here is the episode. Oh Dr. Necker, welcome back. You've been on the podcast before. I'm so excited to chat to you and I'm super grateful for Baby Annabelle for bringing us together in this toddler milestone moment series. We're going to be chatting about starting nursery, going back to nursery and everything that that can involve. So welcome.
1: Thank you, It's nice to be back.
0: Should we start by talking about if someone has got a toddler who is going to be starting nursery for the first? time I mean it's a big deal isn't it particularly post-pandemic yes yes it is it is and I think that
1: that is probably something that people who are in that position are going to really is really going to be sort of at the forefront of their minds I suppose because yeah if you've got a child who's starting nursery now then it's likely that they went through that you know you went through the yeah those kind of ways of the pandemic with them maybe in and out of a bit of lockdown so yeah I think that'll be something that a lot of people are thinking about and yeah starting nursery is I mean, it's a really big step anyway, and sometimes it can be really hard. You know, it can be hard for the child, but it can be hard for the parents as well, just because it's, you know, it's a big transition, isn't it? It's a kind of step into kind of the next sort of phase. I think one of the things that I sort of like to highlight, and in a way, I suppose, kind of reassure parents about in a way is that even though something like this, a big step like this or a transition like this can maybe... Sort of a child might feel a bit of distress about it or they might feel a bit of uncertainty or they might feel a bit upset. I think what's really key to remember is that actually, you know, children can tolerate a level of distress when they have the support of an adult, you know, a kind of caring and trusting and an adult who feels safe, an adult essentially who they have a relationship with. And of course, for children, that's going to be their parent. But I also think that's really key to remember when thinking about them starting nursery and then starting to form relationships with the other adults in that setting. So key workers, but also other staff as well. It can be a really helpful thing to hold in mind, for parents to hold in mind. Yes, it might be distressing and, you know, maybe a bit upsetting for some children, but they can tolerate that distress when they've got the support of an adult whom they have a good relationship with. I kind of just wanted to start off by saying that just as a bit of reassurance and a bit of it will feel hard. It might feel hard for some people. It can be that it can be okay. And obviously, we're going to talk through, you know, lots of different ways of being able to sort of support children with that. I think the other thing that I would say is, you know, I'll often get parents talking to me about separation anxiety. And that term is kind of used quite a lot, isn't it? Especially in these kinds of times when children are kind of experiencing a separation from their parents in this way. And actually, it's really normal. For toddlers to be upset at being separated from their primary caregivers. But like I'm saying, that's something that they can be supported with, that they can be supported through. So it's not something that they can't deal with or something that they can't cope with when they've got the support of people around them.
0: Let's dive into all of that because it seems to me... Like, you know, my little Rose, like she's super confident and she was a pandemic baby, but it actually wasn't that bad. But we had five mornings of just like having to be peeled off me and the tears that seems to be the norm rather than the exception, particularly, you know, she was two when she started. So I guess it's relatively young. So we'll definitely get to that. But I want to do it in like chronological order, if that's all right. So we're going to assume that you've chosen a nursery and all that sort of stuff is done. How can we help prepare our little toddlers at home? Like, do they understand the concept of... You're going to start nursery. I remember we were saying it and Jessie, my 6 year old was saying it to Rose. You're going to start nursery. And I was thinking, she has no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) That's probably not preparing them very well. How do we actually prepare them for this transition?
1: So, yeah, the preparation bit is really key. And with it, there are lots of different things that you can kind of do with that. And actually I would say that talking about it, it is key, but I suppose it's, it's how you talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what nursery means and Jessie knew what nursery means because she'd been through it. But actually for Rose, this was this kind of really sort of just a kind of strange concept, like this word nursery that you're using, what did that mean to her? So the thing that I would say about preparation is, is repetition is really key toddlers are in that stage that phase I mean repetition is just key for learning anyway but I think particularly for that stage of development I'm talking lots and lots and lots of repetition and again just something maybe to hold in mind around this bit and kind of I suppose you might say it's the reason why you're doing the preparing is that any worry that a child might be feeling about going into this is the worries in the kind of unfamiliarity and in the or I don't know what this is going to be like, or I'm going to be away from my parent. I'm not saying that to worry parents. You know, I, I genuinely don't think that that's something to be worried about because, you know, as I was saying before, it's a normal part of building new relationships and kind of extending their attachment to other people, you know, outside of the family. But yeah, unfamiliar people and unfamiliar places can be, if you like, kind of triggers for sort of anxious feelings or worry or so, you know, for anyone who's listening to this and is in this position... I would say that your job is to make nursery feel as familiar and as safe feeling as possible, right? And you can do that in the preparation before they start. The sorts of things you might want to think about doing, as I was saying, talking about nursery, talking about it, you know, describing what it's going to be like. You know, if you can sort of mention things that you know that they enjoy doing that they'll get the chance to do at nursery as well, kind of talking about that. I think that. For parents who are doing this, I think one thing that's going to be quite key to do in this, so I'm saying, saying yes, talk about it a lot, describe it, say what it's going to be like, kind of try and make it as real for them as possible. But I'd say just really try and gauge your child's response to this, because different children are going to respond to this in different ways. So, you know, if they seem really curious and they kind of want to hear more when you mention it, you know, then just kind of keep going in that same vein and kind of bring it up whenever you feel it's relevant or connected to something that you're doing. But if your child maybe seems a bit more nervous or they don't really respond to what you're saying, then maybe think about dialing down all of the talk about nursery and just really tuning into what might be going on for them. It could be that they're just sort of processing what you're saying, and that's fine. You know, that for some children, they do just need a bit more time to kind of do that processing about this new thing that they're about to experience. But if you're feeling like they're actually really genuinely worried about it, or even if they kind of say something to you that gives you an indication, then I'd say maybe focus less on talking about nursery. You can still talk about it, but maybe not as much as I'm kind of saying in terms of lots of repetition and talking about it a lot. And maybe then it might be a bit more about addressing their feelings and you know, I can talk a bit about how to do that. I suppose I'm just trying to say in my kind of suggestion of talking about nursery a lot, just kind of see what reaction you're getting from your child to kind of give you a sense of a steer of kind of where to go with that, whether to continue or whether to kind of maybe focus on a bit more on how they're feeling
0: talking about feelings because lots of parents still have this sort of idea which I guess is from the way that a lot of our generation were parented that if you talk about the feeling you're going to make it worse like don't talk about the fact that your child seems really worried or upset I guess you wouldn't use the word anxious would you but that's not right is it it actually really supports our child to label and say what we're seeing in terms of the feeling particularly around a big transition like this so how would a parent do that if they're noticing god my little one seems really worried about going. Every time I mention nursery, they're sort of crying or, or not looking happy about it. How would you validate that experience? I think
1: just that, you know, in terms of what you're saying, kind of linking to what I was saying before about, okay, maybe focusing less on talking about nursery and just kind of really then tuning into the feelings and linking that to nursery, you know, that those feelings, you think those feelings are about nursery. So actually just really naming what you think is going on for them and in that doing the validation. So, you know, kind of saying things to them like, oh gosh, it feels like you're a bit worried about going to nursery and, you know, maybe you're worried about leaving me and being with new people and using language you know that you know that your child will be able to kind of understand and sort of connect with you around that I think that bit is really key because like you said and I know we've talked about this before I think I've talked about this before on the podcast is that thing around if my child is worried about something let's not talk about it for fear of making that worry bigger but actually it's the opposite what happens is the worry gets bigger when it's not talked about because actually those feelings don't have anywhere to go. So they're kind of just there. And and I think we know this for ourselves really as adults, you know, it's that thing of something can be going on for you, something stressful or something a bit anxiety provoking or something a bit worrying. And if we don't, Share that, or we don't do something about that, you know, those thoughts and feelings they sit there, don't they? And the only way we can kind of really start to deal with those or kind of move on from those is when we share them and we do something about them. And it's the same for children. So I'd really kind of want to really sort of make that bit clear that talking about the worry doesn't make the worry bigger or doesn't make the worry any worse. The worry is there, and actually, it's the talking about it that is the thing that is going to help a child be able to move through that. So, yeah, talking about it, empathizing with them. Doing the validating or really, really helpful, helpful things.
0: What about role playing? Because I remember I was having a struggle with Jessie about something years ago. In fact, she would have been a toddler. Do you remember it? She was really struggling at this little gymnastics class I was taking her to. And you were like, set up the gymnastic class with her dolls and her teddies. And like, can you do that? With starting nursery, can you like almost like role play it with the little dolls and say, Dolly, you know, maybe baby Annabelle's going to be starting nursery. Here she goes through the door and there'd be a teacher there. Like, is that the sort of thing that you would do to help prepare them as well? Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, as you've just indicated there, it's something that I suggest all the time when trying to, yeah, I suppose, help children work through difficult or kind of tricky situations. And actually, it's a great thing to do with anyone or all children really but particularly with with younger children because they don't have the words I suppose they don't always have the words to really articulate or to say how it is that they're feeling but children do a lot of their figuring out of things, particularly difficult things they can do that through play. So yeah that's a really really great thing to do and particularly using dolls for this I think is going to be really helpful because actually what that does is so I would recommend just using anything you know, you can use anything to kind of do role play. But I would say that using a doll in this situation would actually be really helpful because there's a sense of reality, you know, because we know what children are like when we see, you know, particularly with toddlers, you know, when you see them kind of playing with dolls or playing, they kind of automatically go into that caring sort of almost like parent type role. So actually, yeah, using dolls in this situation can be really helpful. So when doing this kind of role play, I would normally suggest or recommend that a parent, essentially takes a bit of a back seat in the play and sort of just follows their child's lead. But I think with this being a very particular situation that people might want to support their children with, I'd suggest that the parent kind of initiates the play in this sense, so kind of with the doll and kind of starting to kind of set that scene of the doll being the one that's going to nursery and the doll being the one that's a bit worried or, you know, maybe a bit unsure or a bit scared about going to nursery and sort of try and get going there might be another toy or another doll that you could bring into it and you kind of start to kind of almost create a dialogue between those two dolls. So with the one saying to the doll that's kind of a bit worried about going to nursery, kind of starting to talk about that, but then also bringing your child into it in the sense of wondering, you know, with your child about what that doll might be thinking or what they might be feeling about going to nursery and then moving through it in that way and sort of seeing how they respond. So doing things like asking maybe some open-ended questions about, oh, what might they feel like when they're on their way to nursery? What might happen, you know, when they get there and kind of then seeing how your child responds to that? Because I think in that way, actually, generally what your child responds with will be an indication maybe of how they're feeling. But they're able to kind of do that in a very, you know, I talk a lot in kind of I suppose, a psychological term for it, would be non-directive. So you're not kind of then really going at it sort of, to your child, but they're able to use that situation and use that scenario then to kind of express how they're feeling in a, I suppose, what might feel to them like a sort of less pressured way and a sort of easier way to kind of do it. So yeah, just kind of allowing your child to kind of speak or act through that guide of the play within that fantasy scenario of the doll going to nursery.
0: It works as well. It really helps. Whenever I do role play, I still do it tons with the girls. Like I do it, Almost any big change that we're doing. I did it loads when we moved house last year. Remember, I was like, the dolly's going to go to the new house. And then I also had a big chart on the wall. And for Jesse, who's older, I was counting down the day. I think like making stuff visual, I really notice it helps my girls. All right. So we've prepared them. So this toddler is like the most beautifully prepared toddler <laughs> nursery that they ever could be. <laughs> and then you rock up on the first morning. And... Gosh, this is like, it's so hard as the parent not to transfer the like nerves. Like I remember walking away because I was so hesitant to let her go. I almost didn't want to let her go. And I'm like, she's going to pick up on that. But normally the first sort of morning when you're settling would be like an hour, wouldn't it? It's not actually that long because most nurseries do a sort of five-day settling period, wouldn't they? So let's walk through that first sort of morning at nursery And how you can make that drop off, particularly managing the parent feelings, because it's just so heartbreaking when you walk away from a screaming child. It's like, talk us through that.
1: So this is obviously a really kind of key moment in it. Actually, before I do that, maybe I'll just take it back a couple of steps, just kind of going back to the prep, but linking into what this first day might look like and what it might feel like. Is that actually a couple of other really useful things that you could do? And one of them you talked about in terms of like reading books. So I know that a lot of people do do this actually and kind of find it really helpful to read books about going to nursery or starting and what that's going to feel like. But also, and if this is practical for people and they're able to do it, doing some Almost like you can kind of think of them as practice runs or even just kind of walking past the nursery or taking the drive to nursery, you know, so doing that route that you're going to do. And actually, I think this can be really quite helpful for parents as well, because there's something about going through that so that the first day isn't the first time that you actually do it. You know, so you either do the journey or you kind of walk past. So I think that that can be helpful. And then again, just kind of linking that back to what we were talking about in terms of dolls and role play, doing that with the doll as well, and maybe doing that as an extension of the role play that you've done is saying, oh, how about we go for a little walk to nursery with the dog. Should we take the doll to nursery and just see how they feel on the journey? And we can see what the journey's like. So you can actually do that. And that helps it to then kind of take away from that first day feeling like, oh my gosh, this feels like something we've never done before. If you've been able to have a bit of a practice run at it, there's a way in which that can be helpful in terms of the lead up. So on the actual day, and I think that there is a lot of this that is going to be about the parent as much as the child. <laughs> So I'd be saying that one of the key things, again, that I kind of talk to parents a lot about is as much as you can kind of conveying a sense of confidence about what is going to happen, which I know can just be so, so hard because actually confidence might be the very last thing that you're feeling in that moment. Like you're feeling all the worries, you're feeling the anxiety, you're feeling the uncertainty as well. But I think one thing that we do know is that children do pick up on our feelings and our emotions and so the thing that you will want to be doing with them I was saying earlier do you know at the start about making nursery feel as safe and as familiar as possible and part of that is going to be about how you approach it and how you convey your feelings to them about it so confidence is key in in this moment and particularly this time so yeah I think for parents to be thinking about the sorts of things that they need to do for themselves to enable them to feel as confident as possible when they walk in on that first day.
0: Would you suggest both parents go or both caregivers, or maybe if you're a solo mum, you take a grandparent, or is it better to go sort of just you? Because I remember, I, I mean, I did not do this role of Jessie at all. I didn't really want her to go to nursery there yet, but I was sort of like, oh, maybe she should go. when Guy came and it was not a good experience and with Rose it was just me I felt far more confident does that make an impact like whether you both go or what would your advice be it can do
1: and I think in all honesty this is going to be really different for different people and different families you know depending on your setup and depending on practicalities and things like that so it's definitely something to think about you know, I probably wouldn't kind of give a blanket sort of say, oh, it's better if it's just one parent or it's better because it might be that actually a child wants or would like for both of their parents to go. If there are two parents and both parents can do that and the parents decide between them that that's the best. But I think it's a good point to make and a good question to ask and something for people to think about as to how they feel that might work best for them, like who is going to be best placed to do it. What's going to work best for the child? What can you manage, you know, within your family setup? Definitely something to think about.
0: Yeah. And then you get to that point where you sort of hand over your child. There's normally clinging and screaming. That's my experience. And I see that a lot at our nursery. Like there's a lot of clinging and screaming. What's best to do in that moment and again like it's so interesting my sort of maturity as a parent because with jesse i was like basically stood there crying i mean whereas with rose i was able to say really confidently "Mummy loves you i'm coming back you're gonna have a great time bye and then i just literally walked out and then sort of got in the car and started crying and had all the worries and like probably called you or something what is best to do in that moment when they're going "Mummy" or daddy or grandma or whoever it is don't want to go don't want to go and they literally have to
1: peel the child off you. So there's a few things I think to think about in that scenario and again some of this is going to depend on what's possible in terms of the setting that you're going to and what they're able to support you with, how much they're able to help you because I think one of the key things around this and this links to actually you know kind of this moment of kind of turning up and then sort of the essentially handing your child over and then you going is to really be and again this kind of goes back to the confidence thing is about being really really you want to convey to your child that the person or the people that you are leaving them with are safe. So that can look like really friendly, like really big, really positive greetings with their key worker, because your child will look to you for reassurance for that. They'll look to you to essentially help them to feel safe. And the more that you can do that, with their key worker and actually some of this can kind of go back to the prep you know if there are ways in which you can if you have that identified person and there are ways in which you can kind of familiarize your child with that person even if that's just with their photos or with their name or so that when you see them on the morning again it's not the first time that your child is seeing this person they kind of maybe have a bit of a sense of familiarity so that's a really key thing being really positive really enthusiastic with your greeting to the person that you're handing your child over to so as much as you can working with nursery to find out what's going to be the best approach for your child because actually some children will do better with kind of a really quick confident sort of drop off and you kind of saying exactly those kinds of things that you said I mean I think they're good things to say anyway to any child regardless of how that separation happens and having some consistency in what you say to them so One of the things that it can be really good to think about is, you know, if you're leaving them, your child kind of being separated from you is something that your child will struggle with, then one of the things that can be really helpful is having some sort of routine to that drop off, a kind of consistency where actually you do the same thing and you say the same thing every day. Something like, I love you. I'll be back to see you later. I hope you have a great day. Or that can be, Maybe something kind of physical that you do as like a bit of a goodbye ritual kind of thing. So I'm talking about routines and rituals here that you can kind of create. Because the thing about routines and rituals is they create a sense of safety and familiarity for a child. So the more that you can kind of think about how to do that, the more helpful that that's going to be. But yeah, some children do better with kind of a quick sort of confident drop off. And for other children, they might need you a little bit more to help them. I guess, find their feet a little bit before you leave. But that's where the communication with the setting that your child is going to is going to be really key as to how you can work together to make that happen as best as possible for your child. I think that the most important thing to think about is that even if your child is upset or they kind of seem like they're finding it a bit difficult, finding ways to ensure that they are well supported with those feelings that's going to be the key because you're not necessarily going to be able to take those feelings away. And actually, that's not really the aim. The aim is to support your child with the feelings that they are having and to help them kind of move through those and then eventually come to a place where they can go through that freely without you. So that's where the relationships with staff, key staff and the communication is really
0: important. So could you say to staff, like when you have that meeting, when you have that key worker, like just as you were talking to earlier, like the way that, you know, we handle crying and worries like this is that we try not to ignore them. It's really important to me that you're saying and validating what, you know, Rose is feeling. Can you have those conversations so that then you don't drop off a nursery and then you get a nursery or a key worker saying, shush, shush, don't cry it's nothing to worry about because then that would feel different, wouldn't it?
1: Yes, definitely, definitely. And I think that kind of is one of the things that, you know, when I was thinking about how parents can manage their feelings about it. That's actually a really, really key thing. If you feel like you can have that conversation, essentially what you're saying is, this is how I want you to manage it because this is how we do it. And this, we know our child and this works for our child. So this is how I would like you to respond to them. That can actually be really sort of reassuring, I think, for parents to know that they've given that information and knowing that the nursery staff are going to be able to take that on and do things in
0: a similar way. And then let's go through pickup because sometimes my two haven't done this, but I've seen it with other children being picked up at the same time. They'll be totally fine. And then they'll see their parent and giver and then just burst into tears. And I think that could be so disconcerting and so like worrying for the parents. What's going on there?
1: It is really common. It doesn't happen for every child, but it is really common. And I know for lots of parents that this does happen. Essentially, what your child is saying is, (laughs) I missed you. (laughs) You know, I missed you. It's not necessarily the case that they've kind of been missing you all day. And so they've had a really difficult day and they've kind of been thinking about you all day, but just kind of seeing you again, is kind of a reminder of like, oh, yeah, I haven't been with you today and I've missed you, you know. It's not necessarily something to be worried about, but it is maybe something to be prepared for because, you know, as I say, I've kind of had lots of parents ask me about this you know, it's not what they're expecting, especially if, because I know that this has happened actually with some, And I had a parent talk to me about this once, how they, when they went to pick their child up, they kind of peeked through the window before their child saw them and saw them like happily playing. And then as soon as their child saw them, they burst into tears and they were like, hang on a minute, you were just having a great time. Like, what's this all about? But then we talked about that and, you know, kind of helped them to sort of understand what was going on for their child. So nothing particularly to worry about, but just be aware that that might happen and just sort of understand what that's about. And actually what that means is that reconnecting bit after nursery is really, really key. So where you can do that and think about what it is that you do when you reconnect with your child, when you see them again after, whether it's a morning or an afternoon or a full day that they've been there. Yeah, that's really key to think about.
0: Because the tendency is to fire questions. What did you do? Did you have a good day? What did you do for lunch? Did you have a nap? What's a better way to reconnect?
1: (laughs) Just spend some time like having a cuddle or a play or a chat if they want that. Taking a snack. (laughs) Definitely taking a snack. But yeah, just kind of tune into what is going on for them like yes you want to know all about their day you know you want to know what they had for lunch and who they played with and what they did and that but they may not be quite ready to do all of that with you just yet like they might just need to just be held just to have that physical as well as emotional reconnection with you and then maybe later on when they're kind of settled back and, you know, back in tune with you that you can kind of that, you know, sort of do all the the asking of the questions and kind of finding out how their day went. So, yeah, focus on the physical and the emotional reconnection first. I would say it's something to really think about.
0: Yeah, because sometimes when I get in from a busy day, I don't want Guy to fire a million questions at me. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to... Connect, say hi to everyone, take a minute, have a snack, and then maybe I'll talk about my day. Okay, so I know this is a hard question, but I suspect parents are going to want to know it or might be thinking about it. How long would you expect a child to settle into nursery? When are there some red flags that maybe this isn't the setting for us or actually they're not settling in the way that we'd want them to? Maybe there's some other changes. How do we decide for that?
1: Again, I think it's a bit of a tricky one to answer in terms of giving a time on it because it's going to vary for different children. But I do think that this is, I don't know if this is going to feel like a bit of a cop out answer, but I do feel that there's something about, I suppose I'd say for parents kind of following your intuition about it and kind of how does it feel for you? I would tentatively say you could expect maybe the first couple or first few weeks to kind of be quite you know, the the amount of time that they might need to sort of get into the routine and get used to it and get used to that kind of being away from you and being somewhere new and being with new people. If it feels like it's continuing for longer than that, so actually if you're going into sort of weeks and weeks of difficult drop-offs and also them not being particularly settled kind of during the day so it's going to be kind of important to be having that communication with nursery staff and getting their feedback about how your child is doing during the day if you're feeling like things just don't seem to be settling after like a good few weeks and certainly if this is kind of going on for a few months then it might be time to just sort of really have a bit of a rethink which I know can be really really will be really difficult for some people because of course you know people will have other commitments and you know other things that might not make it so easy to just kind of say okay we're going to just put a bit of a stop to this and then we're going to have a rethink and kind of see where we go continued communication with the setting is going to be really important and I've kind of said that before but really that's going to be the key thing here sometimes it is the case that the setting just isn't quite right and it might be that you kind of are thinking about okay maybe we need to think about somewhere else Do you know maybe we need to look for somewhere else But I would say that that would really be a last resort for most children and most families. It's really going to be about communicating with the nursery staff the key workers you know really talking about what's going on for the child and really just trying to make plans and kind of come up with different things that you might be able to think about to support them depending on where the particular issue is you know especially if it's sort of just a drop off or if it's at points throughout the day that they're struggling then it might then be thinking about okay what might we be able to tweak what might we be able to change to kind of try and support them better.
0: Would you expect post-pandemic babies to take longer to settle? Have you seen that? Have you seen an impact of, you know, lots of children who would have been going, if I think about Rose, you know, we would have been going to tons of those classes through her first and second year and she had nothing and then going into nursery. Would you expect that to have a factor
1: as well? Yeah, I'd say that that would definitely be a factor because, actually, for children who have had that experience, yeah, they've not been able to do a lot of the things that they would have been able to do, you know, for some children kind of they're going into nursery this time, yeah, will be their first experience, really, of that kind of scenario, you know, of that kind of setting. And so, yeah, not having had maybe some of the, if you like, you can think of it as kind of prep in their really sort of early stages of development of kind of being in... Going to different groups and being around lots of other children and babies, that yeah, they may find this that bit more difficult. So, that's certainly something to kind of factor in. You know, I definitely don't want people to kind of rush into thinking, oh, no, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. You know, we need to stop. We need to kind of take them out or we need to do something different. But keeping that in mind. But at the same time, you know, just kind of really tuning into your child and just kind of really going with what your sense of the situation is for them and then taking action based on that.
0: So let's talk about transitions, because I noticed this post-summer going back, because we're releasing this when people will be going through that, and also like new room, like going up a room from the baby room maybe into a different room, and new key workers. I'm guessing a lot of what we've already talked about in terms of, you know, using the dolls and the role play, preparing, talking about it, allowing feelings, validating feelings is all going to hold true for any of those transitions. But is there anything else in those particular scenarios that we need to be mindful of or doing to help?
1: I think you're right. I think a lot of the kind of preparation things that we talked about before are still going to apply in this situation. If you've got a child who's had some time already at nursery, but they're going back for sort of a new year. But yeah, definitely kind of the role play with dolls and, you know, the kinds of sorts of things that you can do to prepare them by talking about what's going to happen. One of the things that can be And this can work even if it's just a child who's starting for the first time. But a really, really nice idea that's often shared these kind of points of transition is using what we call transitional object. So something that a child can take from home that reminds them of home or reminds them of you that they can then have with them you know when they go in the setting and actually that can be a physical object but it can also be something that you kind of do with them again as like a bit of a ritual so parents will tell me actually that they do this a lot is something like a love button or a cuddle button or a hug button like people kind of call it different things but you might do something maybe draw something on your child and draw it on yourself as well so you might draw like maybe a little heart on their arm you know maybe some way kind of up their wrist the key thing to think about if you're going to do this is not to draw it somewhere where it might get washed off because actually that could be really you know a child might find that really difficult if through part of the day they realize that their love button is no longer there so draw it somewhere where it's not likely to get rubbed off or washed off then you draw the same on your same body part and you connect them together, physically connect them together. So you might put your arms together to kind of match the two hearts or whatever it is that you've drawn together. And what you're doing there is you're saying to them, i kind of filling it up with loves or hugs or cuddles, you know, kind of charging it up in the morning so that throughout the day, if they kind of feel like they're missing you or they feel like they want that sense of a hug or a love or a cuddle, then they just touch their button and they can get a sense of you sort of through that. So something that can transition from home to nursery, whether that's a physical thing or something that's drawn on like that.
0: A challenge that lots of parents have is, you know, you spent this year, their first year in nursery, and they feel really attached to the key worker. And you're like, yes, you know, they love the key worker. They're talking about key worker. I mean, this is the best case scenario, isn't it? They're talking about the key worker at home. And then you're like, oh, no, you're going to leave that key worker behind now. Mm, Yeah. You know, could the key worker give them a transitional object from the toddler room if they're going up? How would you manage that?
1: Yeah, that would be really lovely. That'd be a really lovely way of kind of helping them manage that transition within the setting because it's the same kind of idea, isn't it? It's kind of leaving behind somebody that you're really close to, somebody that you like, somebody that you're attached to. So that same kind of idea. Again, the preparation for the new room, which is something as well that can't be done at nursery. So maybe, well, this would have been something that would have been done, I suppose, kind of before the end, but it can be done at the beginning as well. Is helping your child to see what that new space is going to look like. So whether that's kind of looking at pictures of it beforehand or maybe having a visit to the new room if you can before they actually start, if that's possible. And the same again with whoever the new key worker is going to be. So doing that same preparation around this is going to be your new person, talking to them about what they're like, kind of saying their name, all of those sorts of things, similar to what we were talking about about preparing for starting the first time. All of those things are going to be really helpful.
0: And ultimately, like, it's such a beautiful thing, isn't it, that your little one is sort of graduating, as it were, because Rose is going to move up in January. And yeah, already we're sort of saying, you know, you're going to go upper class. It's sort of celebrating it. You know, I think it's so important, isn't it, how we talk about these transitions as well?
1: No, definitely. I think where you can convey that sense of positivity, I suppose, and kind of being sort of really um, as upbeat and as kind of cheery about it as you can. One thing that I would say actually on this, because I think that at this stage of where your child has been there and they're kind of essentially going back, is it might be quite easy to take for granted the fact that they're familiar with the place and, you know, they know it. And so actually they're kind of generally going to be just fine. You know, we won't have those same issues that we might have had when they first started not to take that too much for granted because it is still a transition, even though it's a transition within the same setting, it is still a transition. And actually transitions are just hard, you know, regardless of what they are, they can be difficult for children. So thinking about how you can continue to support them with that, be as reassuring with them about that as you can. But one thing that it might be key to remember is that With that difficulty, you might see some changes in your child in terms of their behaviors maybe or the things that they are able to do, but then they kind of seem not able to do. So I would say certainly for that kind of first part of returning is to maybe just kind of lower your expectations of your child somewhat, knowing that you might see some changes with them like I say, whether that's in their behavior or in other aspects of their development. So maybe like sleep or feeding or you know eating or toileting, they're essentially using the majority, if not all of their resources to try and get through this new thing that they're going into and this new thing that they're going to do. So thinking about it is they haven't kind of lost those skills, but they are kind of expending all of their energy trying to do something else. And again, it's not dissimilar for us, do you know, when we're having to start or do something new, then We may not feel like we're as great as doing all the things that we know that we can do.
0: It's like starting a new job. Whenever I started a new job, I would basically have nothing else for the two weeks. I would know it would just exhaust me, like new faces, new names, new environment, new... It's like Zoe regressed in her behavior for those first two weeks of that new job, essentially. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I think that that also is a way you say kind of not really having anything else as much as possible. And I know that life just kind of goes on around your child starting nursery, it doesn't stop, but as much as you can kind of trying to keep everything else constant. So not really introducing any big other changes in family life, wherever possible, that's going to be really helpful. Because if kind of most other things can stay the same, it's then that bit
0: easier to deal with this one thing, this one other thing that's changing. That's really, really good advice. So there's one last thing that I want to touch on before we close, because you mentioned it at the start, but I want to talk about it specifically, which is separation anxiety. And even like that phrase feels quite anxiety-inducing for me because it's got the word anxiety in it. Because I notice often that feeling of the girls not wanting to be apart from me is harder once they've had that sort of two-week break from nursery and from school it's like way longer than it was before because they've had that such intense time with me and then going back so can you just talk to that specific thing before we close and how does someone know when it is like anxiety or whether it's just totally normal
1: for the most part and for the majority of children it's totally normal I don't love that term. I think for the reasons that you were kind of saying, I don't think it's particularly helpful because I think it can kind of make it seem almost bigger than it is, or maybe in some way like that there's something wrong, but it's totally, totally normal. And actually, in a way, it's a sign that you've done a really good job because actually, your child is kind of, if you like, designed biologically to want to be with you and to be close to you. And so it's totally normal for them to not want to be with somebody that they don't know very well over you. That's not to say that because there are some kids who will literally not give a second glance to a parent on the first day of nursery, you know that they'll run in, be totally happy, and be absolutely fine. I'm absolutely not saying that those parents haven't done a good job. They've done a good job in a different way, or actually it's just that their child is a different child who is really open to new experiences and, you know, really happy to kind of go off and try something new. So, I'm not saying that if your child doesn't cling to you and doesn't want to let you go, then actually you've done a really bad job. And that's not the case at all. But for those children where that is something that they find difficult, that's not something that parents should be alarmed or worried about. It's totally developmentally normal. And what your aim is, I suppose, in that phase as they go through that phase is and I think I kind of mentioned this earlier is about helping them to extend so those close attachments that they've developed with you you're helping them to extend their ability to develop those relationships and attachments with other people and they need to have a safe base from which to do that and that safe base is you and that's why you might see that difficulty that they have in separating from you. In terms of when It might be something that your child really does experience, you know, in a bigger and perhaps more heightened way. I think that probably just goes back to what I was saying about the length of time that that goes on for. If you're feeling like this is really going on for really quite a long time, you know, weeks and weeks and sort of into months, then... That might be a time when you really start to have maybe more in-depth conversations with nursery staff and with key workers about how best to support your child with that. But in general, for the majority of kids, this thing that we call separation anxiety, totally normal and is to be expected.
0: I think that's just going to be so reassuring for so many parents because that feeling of when you're all like, ah, it? yeah, it's just going to be so reassuring. So thank you for that. And I always ask the same question at the end, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why?
1: I kind of thought about this and really, actually, it's probably something that in the context of what we've been talking about or one aspect of what we've been talking about. And it's something that I talk about a lot because I see how helpful it can be. And I kind of see the benefits of it when people are able to do it, when parents are able to do it. And it's actually the ability, I suppose, I would say for want of a better word, to be playful and to be able to play and to enjoy that kind of with their child. So whether that is like being comfortable with doing some role play, which I know loads of parents absolutely do, hate or that they find really hard. So whether that's doing role play with like dolls or other toys or kind of just being able to be really silly and have fun with your child in the way that they love. You know, I say this a lot, but I genuinely believe that playfulness and being playful with your child is one of the best ways of connecting with your child and, you know, helping them through maybe some of those more difficult moments that they might be going through. And just the benefits of that being playful, you know, both in terms of the parent's relationship with their child, but also in terms of their child's development, you know, the benefits are huge. They are endless. And I think I would especially want to give this gift to those who find it really hard to be playful, because I know that that is something that some people do really struggle with. You know, I talk to parents about that a lot, and there can be lots of reasons why they find it difficult. But yeah, that would be my gift I think the gift of being able to be a playful parent
0: oh beautiful thank you so much I think this is going to help so many people and you've given so many sort of little nuggets and tips and tools so thank you Dr Necker.
1: thank you it's been great to do it again
0: so that was the first episode in the toddler milestone moment series created in partnership with baby annabelle i hope you loved it and i hope you loved learning about just how powerful doll play can be If you want to give it a go and start practicing doll play and role play, head over to Instagram where you can win £300 worth of baby Annabelle dolls and accessories. Just head over to at Zoe Blasky to enter. T's and C's apply. See the website. Next in the series out on Monday is with Dr. Marta Diros-Colado discussing toddlers and siblings. It is an incredible episode not to be missed. We'll see you then.